Good morning, and welcome to this hour of worship at Houghton Wesleyan Church. Please stand and join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Dear Lord, we thank you for another new day. May we take this day to be refreshed in you, and may we hear what you would say to us this morning. Amen.
Amen. It's so great to see you as we have gathered for worship today. I want to encourage you to take a moment, uh, share a word of peace, sort of greeting with others here. Perhaps introduce yourself to someone you may not know. I want to uh, let you know we uh, have an, a new uh, addition to our church family. Uh, Willow Aileen Knapp was born to uh, Eli and Linda on Friday, and we celebrate with them and rejoice in this gift of new life and uh, for their family and for our larger family as well. Uh, also, there are a number of, of uh, things in your bulletin this morning, a number of inserts. I'm convinced that one of the ways in which we grow spiritually is to give of ourselves. And to uh, serve others. And in your bulletin are a number of opportunities, ways in which you can get involved serving. And if you are a year-round resident or you're a college student or academy student, uh, whatever the case may be, we would love to have you involved in ministry in the church. And there are all kinds of ways to do that. Uh, there are some specific inserts in the bulletin as well as a more general one that will get you connected to people uh, in an area of interest and you can explore more about that. There's also a bookmark in your bulletin, and this is about the new sermon series and, uh, and small group series that begins next week. We're going to be talking about the church, and specifically the idea of living between what we are and what we're intended to be. And we'll talk more about that beginning next week. And uh, if, you, if you have thoughts about, uh, you know, I'm not sure I, I buy into the church, I'm not sure what, what the church should look like, we're going to look at the book of Acts and try to come to some conclusions, at least some answers, some things to think about related to the church, and that begins next Sunday morning. Uh, also, I want to uh, mention that, uh, among the other prayer concerns, that Evelyn Heil, uh, Janice Deegan's mother, is taken to the hospital this week and is requesting prayer, as well as the other concerns that are there also. And this is the beginning of Christian Life Emphasis Week. Uh, for those of you maybe new to Houghton, this is something we've done for Many years as a part of the beginning of the college semester, and uh, Dr. Richard Mao is here, and he's going to be sharing with us this morning, as well as tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, and uh, the next couple of nights at 7, and tomorrow, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings at chapel time, 11.05. Please note, t- tomorrow night uh, is a different venue. We're we'll meeting at Java and uh, Coffee House kind of atmosphere, a little bit question and answer, specifically around uh, the, a lot of the writing he's done on civility. And so we would love to have you be a part of that beginning tonight at 7 o'clock. And we're praying that God will speak to our hearts through his ministry here just this morning and throughout this week.
It is because we know that God is good and loves us and even rejoices over us that we can come to him and be honest and confess our sins and know that he is faithful in forgiving and dealing with our sins. So join with me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Almighty God, we confess that we often fail in our calling to be your holy people, a people set apart for your divine purposes. We are often more cynical than hopeful. We are moved more by private ambition than by social justice. We dream more of privilege and benefits than of service and sacrifice. We too often try to live in our own power rather than yours. Forgive us, revive us, and reshape us in your image. Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join me in singing the doxology as the ushers come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. to bless us in so many ways. May we be thankful today as we remember each blessing, and now we give back to you. Amen.
We have the opportunity to spend a few moments praying together. And uh, sometimes, the, sometimes the posture in which we pray can speak to what's going on in our hearts. Sometimes it seems the right way to pray is standing, perhaps sitting, kneeling, sometimes laying prostrate on the floor. This morning as we pray together and invite you to, to pray in a way that expresses your heart, if you would like to stand where you are or remain seated or you can come here at the altar and kneel and pray. If you'd like to do that, please come and join me as we pray together. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the world that you have given us that is primarily centered and focused in your work in your Son, Jesus Christ. As we come today to prayer, we come to praise you, we come to acknowledge your grace to us, we come to ask for your mercy upon us. We pray for our world that is far too often characterized by pain and turmoil, by violence and death. We pray for those in our world who are suffering, who are most vulnerable. We ask for your grace upon them. We think of these thousands of refugees who are awaiting a place to go. We think of millions of people in refugee camps who wish they had a place to call their own. Lord, in the midst of all of this pain and suffering that is so often caused by greed and power and self-centeredness, we pray for your Holy Spirit, for your grace, for your people to bring about hope in the midst of despair. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters who live with great opposition, and this morning we think especially of North Korea, this most dangerous and difficult place in which to be a Christian. We ask for your grace upon the more than 70,000 Christians who are in prison for their faith, and we pray that you will protect them and sustain them, encourage them, Use them to spread the gospel in ways that none of us could have ever imagined. And we pray that their witness will inspire our faith, our witness. We pray for the work of your kingdom, not just around the world, but right here in our backyard. We thank you for the ministry that continues to take place at the Allegheny County Correctional Facility. We pray that you would encourage Dan and the team that works with him that hearts would be open to you in a often difficult place. And Lord, we pray for our needs, the needs we represent. We pray for your comforting presence upon all who are grieving today. We think especially of of, uh, Roger Olson's family. This memorial service yesterday, and we pray that you would fill them with your peace and your strength. Father, we pray for all who are struggling with issues of health, for Evelyn Heil and Alice Brown, for Florence Tuber and Bunny Austin, 
We pray for Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, Bruce Brenneman, for Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth and Dick Gould, for Crystal Blake and Emily Crickler, and for others who may be on our hearts and our minds today. Pour out your spirit upon each of them. And Father, during these special days, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be so evident among us. Bless Dr. Mao as he speaks. Give him grace to speak the word that we need to hear. And give us hearts and minds and spirits that are open to you. That when this week is done, we will, we will be different people than we are right now. Father, be glorified in revealing yourself and pouring out your spirit upon us and in working transformation in us. Teach us the joy of humility, the blessing of surrender to you and to one another. And we pray all of this in the name of our risen and returning Lord, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our New Testament reading is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Please stand with me for the reading of the gospel. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord.
seated. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. It's great to be back to my alma mater, Houghton College, but also a personal pleasure for me to be here in this congregational worship at the uh, my wife's home church. I, I married a Houghton citizen, Phyllis Gilbert, family with a long uh, history in this community and many connections to many of the families here in this congregation. It's the family church and has meant so much in our lives and our spiritual pilgrimage. And it's a great privilege to open God's word with you today and to speak about this amazing thing that Jesus said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. I'm just finishing a a chest cold, and so you may have to put up a little bit of coughing along the way, but I do want to talk about this, this wonderful text, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. What an amazing thing to say. Phyllis and I were in uh, one of the chain bookstores. It was either a Borders or a Barnes & Noble uh, several years ago, and I went to the religion section, and many of you know what that looks like. There's a long shelf that'll have Asian religions and another one for Islam and one for Judaism and Christian fiction and Christian devotions and sometimes Christian history. And on this one, there was a a fairly high shelf on the bottom, and the label said, Oversized Religion. <laughs> I thought, I, I should try to get a sermon out of that uh, someday, but we do have an oversized religion. Huh? A Savior who made this amazing claim, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Actually, he was using two-thirds of a formulation that we find elsewhere in the New Testament. In Philippians 2, for example, it says that uh, because Jesus came and suffered as a servant and lived a life of, uh, of obedience to God and went to the cross, was raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, he has been given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And those were really more generally acknowledged than even in the Christian world in those ancient times as the, the three levels of authority in the universe. The highest level of authority that people acknowledged was the, the heavenly realm, which for the most part was what we would think of as the realm of the angels, uh, a spirit world, principalities and powers that, that had a direct influence on the, the visible authorities that we see on the earth. So the angelic powers in the heavens. <coughs> and then on the earth, the, the visible powers. We see them and we recognize them. We know their names. The ancient world, it was pretty much the emperor, the empress, the king and queen. And they had authority over all of culture, not just politics, although they certainly had that. They were the, the emperor was the ruler of the games, was the ruler of the marketplace, economic life, 
ruler of the entertainment system, ruler of the military, of the kinship system, of all spheres, all areas of of human life, the, the visible authorities, which today, of course, we we have a lot more people that we need to know their names because we have visible authorities in every one of those areas that that attempts to exercise influence over us in various areas of our lives. <laughs> and then under the earth, the, this is the spooky area of demons and departed spirits, the spirits of the dead. And the Apostle Paul says, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth to the authority of Jesus Christ, who alone is the ruler over all things. We get those same uh, three levels of authority mentioned in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, where there's this wonderful scenario in the heavenly courts that John has the privilege of witnessing where they found this scroll. (laughs) And if you know what's in the scroll, you know how it's all going to end up. You know the plot line. You know, for example, whether there's going to be a happy ending or not. If you don't know what's in the scroll, for all you know, it's just kind of chaos, meaningless. So they really want to know what's in the scroll, but the scroll is sealed with seven seals. So the request goes out in the courts of heaven, who is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals? And they send out a search committee. And the search committee comes back and says, We searched everywhere, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth is able to take the scroll and to open its seals. No angel could open the scroll. Michael the archangel couldn't do it. Gabriel, none of the seraphim or cherubim. That angel Moroni who stands atop every Mormon temple, he could not take the scroll to open its seals. So then they looked on the earth. President Obama could not take the scroll and open its seals. But neither could Donald Trump take the scroll and open the seals. No one at the Wall Street Journal could take the scroll and open its seals. No, the governor of New York could not take the scroll. No no college football coach, uh, no NFL coach could take the scroll to open its seals. And try as he might, Justin Bieber was not able to take the scroll and to open his seals. So then they looked under the earth. None of the walking dead could take the scroll. No zombie. No vampire. No spirit of the dead. No ghost could take the scroll to open its seals. And John says, I wept. Because it's so important to know what's in the scroll. And then suddenly they come with a with an announcement, we found someone. We, we did another search and we found someone. And <coughs> the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of Jesse, he is able to take the scroll and to open its seal. And John looks and it's not a lion, it's a lamb. A very powerful lamb who shows up. And then the courts of heaven break out in this wonderful hymn to the lamb. You are worthy, O Lord, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed men and women for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us 
a kingdom and priests unto our God. It's the lamb who is able to take the scroll and to open its seals. Jesus Christ alone has the authority over all of history. And I think it's so important to understand that in terms of what Jesus says to his disciples, because otherwise it seems kind of a a theological puzzle. (laughs) He says, all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given unto me. What do you mean given? We sang it just a little while ago. He's the Lord of creation. He had it all along. It is him by whom and through whom and for whom all things were created. He's the king of the whole creation. What does it mean that all that authority has been given unto him? And here we have to remember that Satan brought our rebellion into the world, seduced us into worshiping false gods of trying to be our own rulers. The whole creation fell under the curse. And the only way for that curse to be lifted, the only way in which the redemption of the whole cosmos could take place. So we find out in John 3.17 that the Father sent the Son into the cosmos, the, the whole universe, not to condemn the creation, but that the creation through him might be saved, might be redeemed. And I believe Jesus was coming to his disciples and he was holding out his nail-pierced hands. And he says, see what happened? Because of this, because of the shed blood of Calvary, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. I got it back from the grip of Satan. What does that mean for us on this Sunday? We come to church and we, we've acknowledged the, the point of this declaration of Jesus uh, over and over again this morning. Oh, the wrong seem off so strong. He is the ruler yet. He's the king of creation. We're going to sing all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels and and everything else in prostrate fall before him. He's the Lord of all. What does that mean for our lives, especially on this Labor Day weekend when we're thinking about, supposed to be thinking about the nature of our daily work, doing our tasks to the glory of God? One thing it means that is people who have come and have not acknowledged in worship the authority of Jesus Christ, we need to go forth from this place acknowledging it, naming it. I wrote a book several years ago called Praying at Burger King. I got that title from an experience that I had. I was at a convention. A friend and I wanted to get together and we decided to leave the convention and we went off to a local Burger King. Just sat there and we ordered our food. It was a very busy Burger King. Little kids running around at noon. And a lot of noise. The smell of French fries in the air. We had to wait in line to get our orders. We each got a burger whopper with cheese, fries, and then not to feel quite so guilty, we got uh, Diet Cokes. And... Uh, we went to a little table, finally it was one open, we sat there, just before we started munching on our Whoppers, 
we bowed our heads and just silently prayed. And as we started to eat, my friend said to me, you ever think how weird it is to pray at Burger King? You know, it's hard to get in a mood with the noise and the hustle and bustle. It's hard to get in a spiritual mood to pray sincerely and genuinely uh, to God at Burger King. And I, I thought a lot about that. And I thought, you know, you don't really have to get in the mood in order to honor God at Burger King. Now, suppose you're in a mall and uh, you're looking ahead, the crowds are coming toward you and you see somebody that you haven't seen for maybe six months. You really like this person and she's coming toward you and you know you have to greet her and you want to be able to say, hey, it's good to see you. But you think, you know, I, I'm really not quite there yet. Uh, I've got to go off by myself and just get in the right mood. I've got to think about my experiences with her, my past with her, so that when I say, hey, it's really good to see you, I'm really being sincere about it. You, know, you don't have time for that, right? And you do it because she's there. And we pray to God at Burger King and at Subway and the other restaurant this town and any place. So we pray to God in the, in the stadium, in front of the TV set, the bedroom, in the workplace, in the classroom, because he's there. And we acknowledge that all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. We acknowledge it, and we claim that for him. It's not always clear what we're going to do about it, but at the very beginning, we have to at least claim that territory for him. I have an African-American friend who took a pastorate in an inner city in a ghetto, and he was two weeks into his new ministry, and I ran into him and said to him, How, how's it going? And he said, you know, I haven't preached yet. really haven't met most of the people in my congregation. He said, but I've been, I've been spending these two weeks walking around the ghetto claiming the territory for Jesus. And that's a good signal for us of what we need to do. We, we claim the classroom for Jesus. We claim the workspace for Jesus. We claim the bedroom for Jesus. We claim the stadium for Jesus. We claim the theater and the TV set for Jesus. We claim the the supermarket for Jesus. Claim it for him. And then wrestle with the difficult questions of of what does it mean for us to to acknowledge and to claim that that territory for him. And, And that's a struggle. It isn't always clear what it means. And I don't have a lot of easy answers. We've got we to keep at it. It's so important. And we can keep at it because Jesus gives us hope. The scroll has been opened. He is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. And we know, we know the basic plot line. After I've been doing a lot of writing and speaking, teaching. Sometimes I get on a plane, and if I really want to relax, I'll, uh, I'll read a, a novel. I, I was an English major at Houghton College, and, and so I have to confess, I usually don't choose a very good novel. Uh, not real trashy stuff either, but kind of in the middle. Uh, and uh, Robert Ludlow, huh? Tom Clancy, David Baldacci, I, those thriller novels. I like. You know how it goes? Uh, there are 450 pages in the novel. 
You're halfway through, page 225. The hero's in big trouble. The house is surrounded. You don't know how he's going to get out alive. And the woman he loves is being held captive someplace else. And I get into it, you know. I go to the last page. I I don't read it carefully. I just kind of skim over it. Because I want to find out two things. One is he's still alive. And he always is, by the way. He's still alive. And secondly, the two of them are together again. Once I've ascertained those two things, I can go back to page 225. And I still don't know how how it's all going to work out. I still get into the plot. Make my way through it slowly with all of the agonies along the way. But I can do so with confidence because I've seen the last page. And I've got wonderful news for you this morning. We've seen the last page. Maybe you're on page 225 or 275 or whatever. And I don't have easy answers for you. You may be struggling with something going on in your body or in a relationship or regarding your economic future or how you fit into the larger scheme of things or wondering what God wants you to do with your life or wondering about what God has been doing in your life. Uh, I don't have easy answers for you. But I can tell you this. I've seen the last page. And in the end, it will be well. Because in the end, Jesus says to his disciples, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's here with us today. He goes forth with us. Even on page 225, he's already with us and he will be with us on the last page and it's going to be a wonderful last page. Because on that last page, Jesus Christ is going to return and every eye will see him and every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he's Lord to the glory of the Father in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And he's going to say, behold, I make all things new. And when he makes all things new, he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. He's going to heal our brokenness. There's not going to be any more heart attacks, any more cancer, any more HIV AIDS, no more divorce, no more broken families, no more drive-by shootings, no more terrorist acts, no more little kids pleading for governments to, to let them pass their borders. All will be well in the end. And on page 225, we can't figure out quite how that's going to happen, but we can go on from this place today in confidence because Jesus is going to come again. And the ending will indeed be a happy one. He is with us and he will be with us at the end of the age. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you that all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto you. We worship you. We love you. And I pray for each person here that the things that we have brought with us in our lives to this time of worship are things that we can now go forth in confidence and hope, knowing that it will be well because you are indeed the one who will be with us to the end of the age. And I pray this in your strong and powerful name. Amen.
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.